In the hit sequel to Saturday Night Fever, John Travolta dances his way to the New York stage. Guess what? I got a job on Broadway. Where is Goldman Arrow? But a sizzling affair with a beautiful dancer sparks a bitter romantic triangle. I can always be second choice. You're not. I am and you know I am. We did it. Don't mean nothing to you. We met. I like you. We made it. What do you think it was? True love. Everybody uses everybody. Don't. What you have is anger and a certain intensity, and that's what I need to make this show work. Everybody uses everybody, nothing. How dare you tour a pair of dancers? You want to fight? You do it on your own goddamn time. I remember that. Cynthia Rhodes and Fanola Hughes co-star in this electrifying dance spectacle directed by Sylvester Stallone. Staying Alive. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, the Dave Joskow Show, 2016 edition. Early January, freezing cold day. Global warming at its very best. El Nino, whatever it's called. It's a balmy 12 degrees outside in New York City, and I love it. I've been waiting for it to get cold so I can wear the heavier the jacket, the heavier the sweater, the less I weigh, or so it would appear. And we'll be talking about weight, fashion, movies, music, everything today on uh, the Emergency Podcast. I've always wanted to call it that because there was one last week. There was no podcast last week. Well, just like last year, it's the only one I missed. The one in between just before New Year's because you know what? I was sitting at home and I'm like, you know, who's who's listening? Who's going to listen to this? On New Year's Eve, I'm going to put it out on New Year's Eve? Are you kidding? What's the point? Meanwhile, the funny thing is I had nothing but time to do it. And today I'm doing an early morning one. It's 10.30 in the morning on a Tuesday because I'm just... I got stuff to do. I don't know how I've put together podcasts all this time. It feels like I must always have something to do Wednesday and Thursday, but a lot of time I'll come home, I'll do the podcast, and then I'll go out and do something, but this time, just not going to work out. I'm just doing it on Tuesday morning. You know what? But it's great because it's daylight. It's beautiful. It's nice and cozy in my apartment for now, you know, until I get thrown out for not having any money. (laughs) How are you? Well, I hope everybody had a pleasant New Year's. I didn't do a damn thing. I stayed in the entire day. I don't think I left the house. Maybe I left once. You know, I always try and get out of the house once, even to pick up a paper or a cup of coffee, to interact with human beings. But I don't know. It wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. So I am ill-prepared today because I just, like, I woke up and I'm like, you know what? If I don't do the podcast right now, I'm not going to do it. And I can't do two, miss two weeks in a row. Last year, I just missed the New Year's one, and then I missed, um, you know, just before Labor Day. I think that's fair, but I do, you know, I always feel bad, but seriously, I mean, you know, nobody's going to work, nobody's, you know, who has time, I don't, I don't, again, I don't know when people listen, but I'm pretty sure they don't listen around this time of the year. I don't know, I I don't know people's listening habits, but, uh, you know, it wasn't a, a very productive week for me that I was gone, but uh, but I tried to get out of the house. Now, I wasn't working or doing anything, so I had a whole week free from uh, Monday to today, really. Um, 
so I had nothing to do. So Monday, I mean, but I tried to do things. I tried to do activities because, you know, if I stay inside and I don't, like I say, you know, interact with folks, I get very depressed. I'm depressed anyway. And last yesterday I was so depressed because of the Jets. I don't even want to talk about it. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, you, you know, when you get that upset about a stupid sporting team, you feel like an idiot sometimes. Um, yeah, I lost a lot of money Sunday, so I'm upset about that mostly. But, you know, on Sunday afternoon, you know, I was I didn't go to the Giants game. My, my friendly asked me to go to the Giants game, the last one. And, you know, I don't really like going in the cold weather tailgate. And the tailgates kind of fall apart after the first couple, you know, especially uh, Lee's brother, Jay, um, usually is in charge of the, bringing all the stuff and he just messes it all up because I don't nobody cares later especially they have nothing to play for it the, the tailgates just aren't as festive as they are at the beginning of the year up until November 1st and this year you know the Giants just for some reason I mean I'm hoping next year they're just playing one o'clock games I mean they realize that the Giants stink but now Tom Coughlin just stepped down yesterday he just re- resigned he didn't retire and I guess they'll have a new coach and they'll have a new attitude and then all of a sudden they'll have 8 o'clock games again which just suck for the fans. It sucks for the fans. Besides Monday Night Football, nobody wants those stupid Sunday night games. Nobody wants them. Ask anybody. I don't think the players want to play it. I mean, Monday night, that's, you know, that's cool. Once a week. Those 8 o'clock games are just stupid. You know, but we know they get ridiculous ratings. But they take away our lives. And when you talk about a stupid sporting team and you're upset because your sporting team lost, you just can't help yourself, you know? I always think it's just people that live meager lives like myself. You know, you have something to look forward to with a sporting team. But we all know that there's lots of, you know, well-off people or famous people that get upset about this kind of stuff as well. You need something to root for in your life that has nothing to do with anything in your regular life and... When it crashes and burns, like the Jets did on Sunday, it's just very depressing. Plus, like I said, I just wanted to watch the last day of the Red Zone channel. Um, and everybody, all the Jets guys that I know, and, you know, thank God I know a couple of Jets guys because it's difficult to find people to watch with for the Jets. And let alone just being in Manhattan, it's difficult to find people to watch football with. It's just not a Manhattan thing to do. Uh, that those are the times I really do miss being in New Jersey, but the cu- the couple guys were going down to Baker Street, which you know I love because that's where they filmed the movie Cocktail, the greatest movie of all time, at that bar. So I get excited because I always think Coglin's going to be in there. You know, he's going to be like, Coglin's Law, bury the dead, they stink up the joint. As for the rest of Coglin's laws, well, you can forget them. I knew nothing about linens or insurance everyone with a hand put it in my pocket so I went down to that bar and we were all sitting there and there's not a true Jets fan alive that didn't think this was going to end this way you know I mean we know how it is we're Jets fans this is the way our season always ends and it's a disaster and it's always going to be this way and there's just there's some form of curse. I don't know who put it there or what happened. There's no goat. There's no, you know, Bambino and trade thing that screwed us all. But there's clearly some sort of curse that just somebody hates the Jets. 
let alone most people, but I'm just saying if you're a fan, you know, you get confused. And, of course, they lost. And it was so – I mean, there was a guy at the bar who uh, – this guy um, who owns a bunch of places uptown, a great guy. But he was slamming his fist down. I mean, people were really pissed because the way it all went down, lost, you know, dropped passes and, you know, a big drive by Ryan Fitzpatrick with an interception in the end zone, just the way Tom Brady lost uh, – or rather, um, the Seahawks lost the Super Bowl last year. Just that one lone mistake that haunts you. And then uh, a, a, a once, you know, with a couple seconds left try where a guy goes down the field, he could have had the touchdown, he couldn't hold on to the ball. Oh, my God. That guy, I think his name's Tompkins, he would have been a living Jets legend if he had made that play. And that's all they needed was two more points. And they would have gotten into the playoffs. And what I'm saying is, on, when I went down there, you know, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to leave that. So I'm going to watch the Jets games with fans. I mean, that'll be fun. Because meanwhile, I knew this was going to happen. And I'm like, you know what? Let me stay. But I'll be upset anyway. At least then I've gone out of the house. You know, it would be a double disaster. So I went down. Oh, I had the wings there. God, if it could be any worse. They smelled so good. I can't help myself. I want them to have the Irish breakfast. And then I'm like, what should I do? What should I do? And um, I already had like some donuts. So I don't need that. But this, the wings smelled amazing. But boy, did they suck. Their wings there are horrible. Maybe I need to try a different way. I tried the spicy. You know, they're just not true buffalo wings. Um, maybe I need to try the, the the Asian ones more. Maybe that'll be better. I mean, they were horrible. So as if it could be any more disappointing. And uh, I was already planning for this weekend. I was making plans. I said to my friend, hey, what do you want to do? I was thinking about, like, you know, renting a, a, a space at a bar, you know, like saying, hey, I'd like to get all these people together. Like, I was already putting the, the playoffs together in my head. So this is most disappointing. On the flip side of that, again, like I was talking about with the Mets, it's like, well, you know, this frees up time. Now, meanwhile, that doesn't free up any time because I always think, I got to watch the playoffs because, you know, it's just like football. Um, but still, knowing your team's not any, you don't have to commit to anything. You know, I could still watch it in the car or whatever. So, I don't know. I guess life is easier that way. And, you know, at least the Giants aren't in it, so it's not horrible because that's even more depressing when, you know, they're doing well and the Jets just aren't. I don't care if the Giants do well, but it sucks when the Jets just suck. Um, so, uh, very depressing Sunday night. Very depressing. And, you know, I lost a lot of money. Uh, oh, now, I bet the entire week... Um, all the bowl games, the entire week. And at the end of the week on Sunday, I was completely even. It was a miracle. You know, all, my favorite bets, Navy. Remember, I had that one, that that one that killed them, that was great. And um, what else did I bet? I bet the uh, I bet Clemson and Alabama. So I both got those, right? I bet Clemson and Alabama. I just had, a, you know, Alabama I was pretty sure about, but... Clemson, I wasn't positive, but they beat the shit out of, uh, was it, who'd they play? <laughs> Oklahoma, I think. Um, I liked Northwestern, and they got killed, so that was bad. But like I said, I went about, I went Stanford, I won, and that was easy. And then where I really got screwed was Oregon. That was one of my favorite bets. Oregon, leading 38 to nothing. 
or to three at the half, and they lost. I had the minus seven. I could not believe that game, and it changed my entire week. How do you lose when you're up 38 to three? Because you, you really have to suck. Plus, I put a very small money on the Jets. You know, I put like 35 bucks because I didn't trust it. I didn't trust it. I'm a Jets fan. I know what's going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. So I didn't put that much money into it. But, yeah, I bet uh, like the overs on the games instead because week 17, you can't really bet the teams. So I bet the Saints and the Jaguars. The Jaguars are always good for, uh, you know, a lot of points. This week, they couldn't put it together. I put the Jaguars in the second half that they'd score 10 points. They couldn't work that out. Like I put a lot of money out. I was like, the Jaguars always score every single week except for this one for God. When they're out of it completely, that's when they do all their scoring. Nothing. I bet the Eagles, though, like big. So that all worked out. And then I won on the uh, over on the Buccaneers and the Chargers, that Denver, that Broncos Chargers game, which was uh, awesome. And the Seahawks. But then, uh, you know, I lost in the late night game. Blah, 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 blah. Who cares? It's just, it's not good for me. Um, they tell me I have a, another week to pay. So <laughs> otherwise, you know, um, trouble. A little bit of trouble. It's okay. Um, been down this road before. I know how to handle it. Fortunately, they, they like me there. They're not going to break my legs yet, you know, because they need me to work. Otherwise, I can't pay them at all. Um, this happens once a year at this time. This is what I do. Now, I quit gambling for two years or, or more, maybe. And I realized it didn't change my life in the least. So, uh, yeah, started doing it again. The key for me is to, you know, after the Super Bowl, stop. And that's where the problem sometimes lies. If you're only betting on football and you choose just football, you know, that's your thing. But if you continue after that, then you start betting basketball, you start betting hockey. Not that great a plan. So anyway, last week, all I was trying to do was get out of the house for a little bit. So Monday, starting Monday, last Monday, before New Year's, I did somebody else's podcast. I did this girl, Gina Savage's podcast. Now, this was a horrible podcast. I mean, you know, I'm good on every podcast. Man, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm always very entertaining on a podcast. This is, what I do. this is what I should be doing is not just my podcast, but other people's podcasts. I'm very entertaining. I'm horrible on stage. I'm very nervous about the 25th of January. I want to call them and say I don't want to do it anymore. I don't have anything prepared except for the script. I have texted already. hasn't gotten back. I'm, I'm a little nervous that I can't get the people to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm doubting myself as usual, which is why I can't seem to get to the next level in my career. And I keep telling myself, no, don't be afraid. Just do it. You know, I mean, this is the perception that people have of me anyway. You're, you're Dave Juska. You know, nothing bothers you. That's what people think, you know? Like, I'm not afraid of anything. You know, fuck it. Yeah, what's up? I'll just do my own thing. But in my head, that's not like that. In my head, there's just so much disaster, which is why I could never be a sports person because I could never be clutch. I could never be clutch. I'll always second guess. And... uh you know, I'll throw an interception every time because I know I'm going to throw an interception. Whereas the opposite of somebody like Tom Brady who's like, no, no, we're going to win this. It's going to be easy. But it's easy to make that. You can put that in your head. It's like when I, you know, <laughs> I'm doing the air quote, directed the um, Cars movie I made 
which again, I got to put out on Amazon or something so you can see it. And I remember when I started doing it, everybody was working for free. You know, the only thing I could provide was lunches. So everybody was doing a solid. They had the equipment and everybody was nice. And I, the first day I remember I said, okay, the most important thing I have to do is put into my head that, uh, you know, this is going to work. All positive attitude. Everybody's great. I'm going to memorize everybody's names. That's like really important because you know I'm bad at that. I, I just put it into my head that I can do this. It's everything is going to be great and there's no problems. And every problem that came up, I solved because in my head, I had this attitude that I'd never had before. And we finished and completed the film. It was not the greatest film of all time, but at least I did what I set out to do. And that was probably the final thing I did in my career in a sense of doing these little projects that I used to use all my favorite friends and people for. Um, so why can't I just put that into my head now? I don't know, because then I wake up in the mornings and I can't seem to get it back together again. Because for the last, because today's a beautiful sunny day. I'm in a pretty good mood. For the last three weeks when I was home all that time, the sun wasn't out for like two or three weeks. So how do you not get like all uptight and stuff? I mean, there's no sun. It drives you crazy. There was no sun. Every day it was cloudy or rainy or something. It was like really bad. And now that it's freezing cold, it's sunny outside. What? Where is that about? Why does God hate everybody? It's, it's really frustrating when there's no sun. It's like you got to get that. I feel like Supergirl. <laughs> I got to get that sun's rays to give me my powers back. <laughs> and I would normally say Superman, but I've been watching Supergirl. What can I say? You got to get that sun. You got to get the rays. I think they, they feed you your superpowers or your powers. And, you know, I'm living in Manhattan. So what, what sun am I getting? I'm just, you know, I'm not getting fed any sun. And then I'm thinking of, you know, the summer, which was great. I was Dave Jones guy with the beach. I can't wait to go back. Uh, what I've been eating would not constitute going back and being in a bathing suit, but, you know, I, I have hope that by, you know, April, maybe I'll, uh, you know, maybe I'll figure it out. Be a little more svelte. Is that the word? And then I was getting upset. They just, they put in a new building on Roosevelt Island, so now I can't see that Silver Cup Studios sign, which made it all worthwhile living here, because it... It's always, you know, it was exciting because that's where they had the fight in Highlander. I've told you that. And now they're building a huge high-rise right on this block. And there's going to be noise and construction and everything in this neighborhood is changing. So it's pissing me off. They closed the supermarket. Now there's a... It's, I mean, it's a disaster. It's it. I just really, you know, I was very upset. And uh, I want to move and I want to... I don't want to have any more money problems. I know that's everybody, but it's frustrating. Anyway, I did this girl's podcast. Let me tell you why it's bad. First of all, I mean, she, this is a very nice girl and everything, but you can tell this is what I was trying to do. You know, when she was interviewing, she clearly just went online and she's like, now you were in um, men of a certain age. How was that? You know, because th this was the kind of thing I was always trying to get away from, from all the comics and friends that I know, and certainly, and, and being there myself when it's been happening. When a comic is promoting a show on the morning radio shows across the country, not so much here, although here too, um, you know, it's all those guys that I make fun of. I call the tell and I do a Rachel. But, now, Rachel, let me ask you a question. This is going to be a big question, probably nothing you ever heard before. What's it like being a female in comedy? 
these days. And how do you, uh, do you, is Amy Schumer a friend of yours? I mean, this is the questions they ask. You know, did David tell for you? He always do the invitation for me, like said. I'm like, now, Dave, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Here at WFAK, uh, Buffalo, now you're doing two shows. Now, now you're a comic. Now, what's funny to you? You know, I, don't know. I mean, they're always asking the same question, the standard question. And you want to make it look like it's like it's flowing, you know. I mean, I'm not the best interviewer, but I really would like to try and work on it. So, obviously, I do go and look online. I like to see where they're playing so I can – so it looks to the guests that you've done some work. But you can't just ask, um, you know, how would you get into comedy? Um, you know, you want to have specific topics that kind of look like it's flowing, and um, I, I don't know why I'm picking on this poor girl. I mean, it's just, you know, I just know it's like the stuff. I'm like, okay, don't do that because that's the way it would sound if I did it. So still I had a good time, but her apartment was disgusting. And um, that's all right. Uh, you know, not everybody's can be the palatial estate that I live in. I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, everybody can't, you know, you can't all live in the, the Upper East Side. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, I can barely afford to live, but, you know, I'm living it. I'm living it. You know how there was always, like, um, one house in an affluent neighborhood that, you know, was disgusting? <laughs> That's where I always figure I live. But after a Monday night where you did the podcast, of course, it's raining. It's so annoying. And instead of me and Murphy, we went to, um, you know, we usually go to Wings on Monday. It was the last Monday. We decided to just, you know what? We're going to make a tradition. Every last Monday of the season, we're going to go out for a nice meal. So we went to El Quijote, which is on 23rd Street. Uh, where you can get the Daily Double, which is two lobsters for 50 bucks. See, but they, they raised the price, and now that deal isn't that great anymore. It used to be two lobsters for like $33, which was amazing. But um, the food, what I, I got the stuffed shrimp instead. I was trying to keep the cost down a little bit. I didn't have, I had one beer. Um, I usually get sangria. I just wasn't in the mood. I think I had already had a headache because it was rainy and gross, and you know my nose was all clogged up and everything. And uh, it was okay. The appetizers were pretty good. I had the stuffed shrimp. And like I said, it was just okay. But still, I'm glad we did it. And then next door, Rachel and her brother was in town, her brother and his wife, and her roommate, who was very sexy, and I like a lot. They were all in town, and they were at this bar right next door to El Quixote, so we went there, which was great. So I got to see the end of the game, which I was furious about in every way because I think I, I lost – the Bengals were right there. They should have won the game, but the Broncos lost. And I was worried. I wanted the Bengals to win because if the Broncos lose, if the Jets, where we all knew they were going to lose to Buffalo, lose, then maybe they have a chance. If the Broncos lose too, the Jets can get in the playoffs anyway. Or the Bengals lose too, whatever it is. But it didn't happen. So, uh, so but it was fun seeing everybody because uh, this is Rachel's uh, brother who was in the Peace Corps. You know, I begged him not to go. He's a delightful kid. Him and his wife, they're very nice. They're very smart. And they're do-gooders, you know. And it's not going to get him any money, which they could because, you know, he's an attractive boy. You know, he speaks two languages. He can work it out. But uh, they choose to do good. And uh, sometimes that doesn't pay off. But they're nice kids. And that's, that's when I got the uh, serious subscription for it. When they went to the Peace Corps, they were in Costa Rica and not the good part. And I got them a, a subscription to Sirius Satellite so they could listen to, you know, music at least, or Howard Stern. Um, so, I'm, I don't know. That was my way of, like, giving back, because I'm never going to do that. So at least I can, you know, make life a tiny bit better for the people that are doing the stuff that we all should be doing, but we, we don't want to be bothered. 
Because I always told them, I'm like, it would be better if you go to medical school and then you can go help those people. You know, you can, you know, for one month a year and then make some money in the other months and you can help them with money. I don't know. You know, I have my other theories. I don't want to get dirty. So, and Rachel's roommate is very, very sexy. She's a tattoo artist. So she's truly kind of covered with tattoos, which I don't mind, uh, but covered is, is tough sometimes. But sometimes, you know, it doesn't, you would think it does, you know, I'm that kind of guy, you know, any kind of mark or anything, you know, trouble for me. But, um, you know, sometimes it's, uh, I'm okay with it. It depends on the girl. Depends on the girl. And um, she's covered in them because she's an artist. So anyway, she's now she's got some, she's the worst at choosing men. And now she's got some new boyfriend in Bali, Bali. I don't know, some place where she's like spending her time. She's going she's gonna to mess this up too. What an idiot. Um, whatever. <laughs> uh, nice girl though. Very pretty, I think. I think, uh, I think it could work out for us if, uh, well, it'd be ridiculous. I mean, she's all, I mean, it would be hilarious to see us together, you know, where she's all tattooed up and I'm just wearing a yarmulke. She's Jewish too, but it would, I just always feel that way. <laughs> like I said, that's the way people see me, like in Annie Hall, where uh, Grammy Hall's looking at Woody Allen and he's dressed in the Hasidic garb. <laughs> he's like, dynamite ham. Really, dynamite ham. Anyway, uh, so on Tuesday, I decided, uh, you know, everybody's been commenting on, you know, I don't really have a new a new suit. Plus, God, I used to look so great in a suit, but that was because my body was different and I had some hair. And now I just look fat in a suit and I feel like an idiot. So I, so my gay friend uh, took me to Lord & Taylor to help me find a suit that'll make me look okay. And we found one. The guy who works there some Asian guy he was amazing and he see I don't like going to those men's warehouses and uh, Joseph A. Bank they're all around this corner that I work in and I don't like any of those places because first of all I see those guys smoking outside so their stupid smoky hands are gross and I don't want them touching me and they're just idiots and the people in the department stores which I've never been and shopped in a department store forever but I think I guess they're just a better nicer gayer people you know you don't get the gays in those men's warehouses but in the department stores you get the gays and you know that's what you want for buying a suit i don't want some random asshole who's sitting outside smoking you know some uh you know egyptian guy you know telling me i look good in a suit i know he wants to sell i know the other guy wants to sell but at least the gay guy's going to be a little bit more honest with you plus i bought my own gay just in case there was trouble and we all decided that this one particular suit would be good. And I agreed. I think I looked, you know, a little slimming in it, which was nice. However, now here's the wrinkle. I immediately pull my pants up to cover, you know, some of my belly. So I give a slimmer look. You know, I got that Urkel look going. You know, that's an important thing to me. Um, but they said, no, that's not the way anybody wears them anymore. You got to ride them low. That's the way it is. So I had to buy ones where, you know, if I don't button my jacket, my belly's going to be hanging out, which I don't like. Then I don't think I had any other choice. This is the way they make them now. And, you know, you do look like Urkel, and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I should buy a second one where I can hike up a little. But as long as I can keep my jacket uh, covered, my jacket buttoned, 
then I think I'm going to look okay. You know, it's a good suit. I'm picking it up. Well, today, I guess. I just don't feel like picking it up today. But uh, I could pick it up today. They, you know, they had a tailor there. It was all free. I got a discount. I signed up for the Lord and Taylor card. And my mother gave me some money for Hanukkah to buy a suit. So <laughs> I had to buy it. Um, but it's a good-looking suit. And then I got the Lord and Taylor card. So I bought a couple of... They said, well, if you buy everything today, you get a bunch of discounts. And I bought some shirts, a tie... It really went for it. Now, I got nothing to wear this suit for. They're like, well, you know, it's going to take away. I'm like, I don't give a shit how long it takes. I I think they're used to people going like, oh, but I got a wedding in two days. Uh, yeah, and no, I'm not buying it for any particular reason except for the fact that I need a new suit to look like a human being. Because I really just look gross. Heat myself the way I look. You know, in Billy's bar mitzvah photos, you know, Uncle David just looks like a jerk off hate the way I look lately you know so that night uh, after that Lee's uh, boyfriend Alan who's been on the show before Al Klein the um, you know the spokesperson for all things gay uh, he joined us and then we went to where Lee works at Urbo which is this horrible uh, you know huge establishment in near the Port Authority but you know you work where you work it, I mean it's huge it's huge three levels there's massive place you know you just don't want to be in that neighborhood that's all it's just because it's annoying full of people um, but we drank there you know we drank for free I hope nobody, uh, you know, you know so. Um, so I got hammered and uh, Alan took a pic we were sitting ne- at the bar and Alan took a picture and you can see it if you're friends with me on Facebook uh, where my face is in the uh, it's funny I'm using my hands as if you can see what I'm doing my face is in the you know where the taps are so the tap you know the tap of the beer taps it's nice and clear and reflective so he took a picture of me staring into the thing and it's a really good picture it has Lee on the other side of the bar and me you know the reflection so it, it's, it's, it's a very interesting photo I didn't want him to take it but then I thought you know this is an interesting photo but I definitely didn't want him to post it, but he posted it. And then when I look at it, I just lately I've noticed that my eyes are all puffy. And the first thing I'm thinking is, I got to get plastic surgery. I'm ready again. You know, I haven't had it in 20, 30 years. It's time. I don't know. Why are my eyes puffy all of a sudden? Lately, I just, I, I marked the day, you know, December 30th, you know, 50, you know, 2015 was the day I saw in my face that I'm old you know I always thought I'm like well you know I don't look old you know that my complexion is clean you know I moisturize I saw more wrinkles I just noticed it this week I'm telling I'll tell you something fucking New Year's (laughs) the worst reflective period you know since you know Rosh Hashanah (laughs) it's just you know what am I doing why am I looking at myself in the mirror like that but I can't help it now every picture I see I just look like I have puffy eyes I'm like I'm a girl it's ridiculous but I guess I think that I don't know I just look like an idiot you know meanwhile this other girl told me uh, she saw me in another picture she goes you look really handsome I'm like well you're obviously an idiot so I was just thinking, you know, I met that girl the other day when I told you that story that she was at the Marriott and her legs were up in the air. She's like, come on, Jessica, I was fucking, you know, that girl. So I saw her, I think I might have told you this, and she was completely sober, so she was awesome, you know, really pretty. And she's got a nose job, and uh, I haven't seen how it looks yet. She keeps sending me pictures with the bandages. I don't want to see, you know, it will be like that Seinfeld episode. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a baby with her. We'll see. So now that she's talking about that, you know, 
the guy who did my nose, his son does plastic surgery. You know, my sister's had a little work. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll go back. I don't know. You know. That's the thing. All girls that get plastic surgery, they tell me because they know I've had work done. So they know I cannot say, no, that's a huge mistake. How can I do that? That would be two-faced. <laughs> I get that all the time. I'll never forget. Sarah's sister once, uh, Laura, uh, got something done. I don't remember what it was. And she only told me. She goes, don't tell Sarah. And I'm like, uh, but I feel, I, uh, she's like, yeah, I'm, going to, I'm not telling anybody. I'm like, but you should really tell somebody when you go to the hospital, when you go for surgery. I, I feel bad with this secret. But she knew that she could tell me because I'm never, I'm not going to talk her out of it. And she knew if she told Sarah, Sarah's going to talk her out of it. She knows I can't. She knows my hands are tied because I've had it done and it would only be completely two-faced. So I understand. It's all about yourself. Nobody else can talk you out of it. People say like, no, no, you look great. But in your head, you know how it is and you know how you feel. What are you going to do? You got to do what you got to do. You got to do what makes you feel better about yourself. So she went in and I did immediately tell Sarah because it's, nobody should be in the hospital having surgery and not nobody knowing. It's not right. And if Sarah found out that I knew, oh, like our relationship at that point was ridiculously on the ropes already it was a disaster we didn't talk for like two years because I was out in California and I messed everything up and if I had let that go it was a you know what was I going to do I was like if she finds out that I knew she's going to hate me even more then we won't speak for three years so I betrayed a trust because I thought it was best for everyone involved still feel a little bad about it but not that bad and I've been forgiven by both parties thank goodness so anyway, we're at that place, Herbo, and I'm getting wasted. I'm just drinking Jack and Cokes. I don't know why, but I'm hammered. I mean, he's, just, he's obviously filling it up big. And then I see this girl. She sits right next to me, and she's cute as hell. Uh, I guess she's Dominican. She's wearing this little short dress with the boots. It's going to get me every time. And uh, we're really hitting it off. It's ridiculous. You know, I'm on fire. I mean, I got the more than. You know how I always say I got 20 minutes of small talk? Well, I had more than today. I had more. And we're really hitting it off. It's working. You know, and my my friend Alan, he just left. He just left. I didn't even see him. He's like, see ya. And I'm like, yeah, all right. It was working. This was happening. And then, of course, the eventual question, how old are you? <laughs> so it didn't end very well. I just said, look. She's like, well, I can't deny I'm having a good time. So I said, um, she had a list of restaurants. You wanted to be like, oh, I can take you to those places. My friend works there, you know. And she's like, but what are your intentions? And I'm like, what? Oh. It was a good question. That's why I think I even like her even more. That was a good question. What are your intentions? What are you saying? Is this a date? Is that what you're saying? But that's ridiculous. Anyway, what are my intentions? What do you even have to ask that for? Just say, you know, no, thank you. <laughs> what are my intentions? I just want to be pals. I gave her my number. She gave, I guess I got hers too. I just, I didn't, I just said, you can call me, whatever. And I, you know, then I sobered up and I was like, eh. Yeah, I should call, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't. She was definitely still cute. I don't know. It's just like, uh, you know, if she's that upset about me being older, but that's who I'm going to meet. You know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Who's out? Who's out in the bars? You know, people younger. Nobody our age goes out to bars anymore. You know that. But uh, anyway, I was still in a good mood, so I ended up going to Jackson Heights. <laughs> I don't even know what time it was. Maybe it was 11 o'clock at night. I went to Jackson Heights so I could have those um, UFC wings, unidentified fried chicken. 
remember I told you about those, those Korean-style wings? Because Alan was there, and, um, you know, we know the owner, and I was just like, you know what, I think I'm going to do I mean, that girl left, and she went home, so I was just like, you know what, I'm going to get wings. And I went to get them, and I was like, look at me. <laughs> going to Jackson Heights on a Tuesday at 11 o'clock. The wings were phenomenal. They were unbelievable. They really were that good. And I had a couple of beers. You know, they get the beer tasting there, so it was excellent. And then, then I went home, and I'm, and then I, you know, when I was in Jackson, I was like, oh, my God, thank God I don't live here because my friends live there. Ugh. I don't care what anybody says. Living in Queens blows. There's no reason to live there. There's no reason to live there. Uh, it's just depressing for me because I lived there for a while, and I always said, this is not where I want to be in life ever. I'm living here now because I can't afford to move into Manhattan. And if I have to move because my finances are in trouble, I don't want to ever move to Queens. I'd move to Jersey. I mean, we've talked about this all the time. I don't I don't want to live in a slum area. There's got to be better places to live for cheaper. Maybe they're a little further away, but Queens sucks to live there. Not interested. Maybe Brooklyn's better. I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time there either, so that's what everybody says. But Jackson Heights is gross. Um, but uh, I ended up going there Saturday, too. <laughs> uh, and I had Indian food. I don't know why. Just, I had dinner with Jim Farber, the uh, the ex-writer from the Daily News. He had just recently got fired along with everybody else from the Daily News. He'd been there like 30 years, music critic. We've had him on the show. I'll have him on the show again during the Grammys. Uh, we had dinner together. He's a... A delightful person and you know obviously so knowledgeable about music it's so amazing talking to somebody like that you know it's always great when you can talk to somebody you know you know me I like people that if they really know about wine you know I enjoy talking to somebody about that when, I, when people are really knowledgeable and you completely respect their knowledge of what it is it would be like talking uh, you know when you talk to somebody about films who is it that you're talking to and I'm like this guy's got a retarded you know feeling about films if you're talking to Martin Scorsese and you're going to listen to him talking about films now that's going to be an interesting conversation I'm not just talking about his films if he's talking about the history of film I'm going to listen because we know Martin Scorsese has the respect for film um, not just because he makes them or whatever but we know he has the respect and as you talk to somebody like that that's what you, you know you want to get knowledgeable so so talking to Jim Farber about music is like a great thing and he's a fascinating interview and, uh, you know, I don't think he has to worry. I think he's happy he doesn't have, like, a daily routine job anymore. But, uh, you know, getting fired from anything is devastating, no matter whether you have money or don't have money. It's just um, it's a tough thing to, to go through. Uh, so then now Wednesday, I uh, – oh, by the way, in that Jackson Heights thing, the next day in the paper, I read that that guy from the Knicks got shot, you know, and robbed at that strip club, like, right by there, like, that night that I was there. And I'm like, you know what? I don't – you see – why would I be living there? All right. Uh, Wednesday, Dave Attell and I went to see the play Hand to God on Broadway because that's what we do. We're two little gay boys. <laughs> I go to see theater together. Well, we took Attell's mom this time instead of my mom and uh, his sister, and we went to see because Bob Saget was in it, and Bob Saget is our friend, and he was in the play. So we went to go see it. It closed on Sunday, so we had to go see it, and... Uh, so the matinee, and it was a really good show. I got to say, it was a very entertaining show. And the, this puppet, you know, it's in a church thing, and it's a, this guy has a puppet on his hand. We've seen it a hundred times. And the puppet, they think the puppet's possessed. Um, 
but you know it's the kid who's got a lot of problems but the puppet it you know it's exciting and it's uh you know another theory on god and jesus and all that you know one writer's theory on what we our beliefs and how maybe skewered they are but still very entertaining very entertaining never boring and pop saga was okay you know not the greatest actor but he did a good job and uh at first, we were surprised why he would take the role, because it's not a very big role, but whatever. Being on Broadway is pretty cool. Then we went backstage, and we met the cast, which was great. I was I was hoping he would do that, because, you know, people, if you're coming to see you, you know, they want you to come backstage. But Till's like, no, nah, we don't want to bomb. I'm like, no, that's what they want you to do. Um, you know, you don't like that, but most people like to know your opinions, or, or just if you're lying, you know. Oh, great job. Oh, thank you, you know. So the whole cast came out, which was great, and I think they were excited to meet Dave, and I was with our friend Russ Maniv as well. And Natalie Morales from the Today Show was there. Oh, my God, is she the prettiest person ever? Holy cow. I completely age-appropriate. So I told her, you are the prettiest person ever, and then I think she got creeped out. But um, that being said, uh, she really is stunning because I watch the Today Show all the time, and she's just so pretty. And my friend Caitlin, who's been on the show before, agrees that she is just the prettiest person and uh, she looked amazing. But, um, yeah, we got a uh, nice picture with the cast and everything. Cast so nice, so nice. You know, where I was, I'm asking that guy, I'm like, do you know how to work puppets? He goes, no, I'm just an actor. Because I was like, I was telling him my experience, you know, on TV Funhouse where I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm just moving my hand, but it's not, you know, with my mouth. And, you know, Bob Smigel kept getting angry at me because I didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, he's like, well. It's just I'm just an actor and I figured it out, you know. And I'm like, huh? Oh, what are you being a little snobby, talking down to me? But they were like really nice. And the show's leaving and it's going to London and I don't know what those guys are doing next. But it was a good show. So then after that we go to, of course, Joe Allen's for dinner because that's where you go. Remember, I took my mother there when we saw American in Paris. Remember, Joe Allen's where you go after the theater because remember I called up and I said, oh listen, um, uh, we're going to see the theater. We need reservations. Uh, for I guess he goes oh, can I just ask you a question yeah what show are you going to see uh, an American in Paris okay you need uh, 10, 40, 10 45 reservations <laughs> like he, he knew right away where the theater was the running time of the theater and how long it would take us to get there with an elderly woman you need 10 45 reservations okay uh, <laughs> so that's what we did and we went to Jones with Dave's mom and his sister and uh, we had dinner at um well, here's the thing. So we had, you know, a lovely dinner. We went to the theater. We had a lovely dinner. Um, then we had some dessert. I had a cappuccino. You know me. I loved that, the cappuccino. And then, like, well, you know, I watched TV all night. And then uh, we left. We parted ways. And I, you know, was heading home. And then I realized it was 5 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I, I felt like it was 12.30 at night and I'm finally going to go home. I'm going to watch TV like I would do. We saw a matinee. I got so confused. We saw the matinee. Then we had dinner and I was like already, oh, well, I guess we'll call it an evening. And, you know, I'm in Times Square. So I'm like, why is it so crowded here? Oh, right. People are coming back from work. Well, let alone it was the day before New Year's. There's that. But, yeah, then I was trying to call people and be like, uh, do you want to hang out? Uh, does anybody want to see Star Wars? <laughs> I felt like an idiot. I got home at like 6.15. I'm like, well, now what do I do? But that was fine. I just, uh, I was happy to be home because at least I got out and I did something, right? So the next morning I got up and I saw Star Wars at 11 a.m. 
Now, I was always planning to go to the Ziegfeld to see it because that's where I saw all six Star Wars movies. But then I found out it was in 3D. And uh, you know what? I've never seen a, a new kind of 3D, you know, the new since Avatar came out with new technology. I wasn't ready for that. I, I don't know. I didn't want to see it. I, I just want to see it on a regular screen. So then I was like, damn it. And then I found that there's this theater by me called The Beatman, which I thought had closed, but there was just construction going on, still open. And they were showing it at 11 a.m. It's on a standard screen, and it only cost eight bucks. What? Eight bucks. So I saw it. It was so funny. I called my sister. I'm like, I saw Star Wars the exact opposite way you did. I saw it um, on a the small, like a screen as big as my TV screen. You know, she saw it in the IMAX 3D. I saw it in the exact opposite way, and I hated it. I hated it. I was furious. Uh... I can't tell you why because I can't spoil anything, but I didn't like it, and I was really upset, and I was really looking forward to it. And I can't tell you—I don't want to tell you anything else about it, but I was really upset. My sister and my brother-in-law saw it twice, so I was like, wow, this is going to be great. My sister couldn't wait to see it again. Now I have recently spoken to my brother-in-law as early as today, and he has he's like, you know, I've been rethinking, and we had a long talk about it. And the three things he pointed out that he actually did not like when he thought about it again were the exact same three reasons that I had so I don't know listen here's the thing my brother-in-law had a horrible father he was an alcoholic he was a, just a disgusting human being and a horrible dad and I think we can there's no doubt about it whereas when I tell you that my dad and I didn't get along he wasn't an alcoholic I mean he had everything he did had al- it, it seemed like he should be an alcoholic um, the fear we had of him coming home uh, when the garage door opened it seemed like he would be an alcoholic that just beat us to a pulp uh, but he wasn't he just wasn't a great dad but my brother-in-law had a very you know he his dad was a dick like an alcoholic so that makes a difference I don't know maybe maybe my dad was more of a dick who knows but he wasn't an alcoholic and an alcoholic's always worse and uh, but the funny thing is, is that his dad and my dad, it was the only times our dads took us to the movies with these horrible fathers that, were not, not, you know, not, weren't the greatest of fathers. Star Wars was the only movie we both got taken to by our dads. The only one. So, you know, I guess it means a lot to us uh, if me and my brother-in-law the only good memories we have of our dad and my sister and I you know we go over this a lot we're like can we think of one good memory and we can never come up with anything and I'm not saying that it was a good memory that my dad took me because I was still nervous that I was gonna you know say or do something wrong that was gonna set him off so it wasn't a pleasant time but I just remember we did that together uh and you know my brother-in-law and 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 his father did that together too and it was a big deal and then we went and we saw it again with my sister so we went twice to the movies and we never went to the movies together before or since and we went to the drive through but that's what he wanted to see um, the drive in but yeah he you know so he never took so, so Star Wars is a big deal and if you put a new one out you know with the old characters and stuff which is exciting we're probably going to be a little more critical than, you know, somebody who's 22 it may not mean as much to uh, as it did with uh, 
you know, me and my brother-in-law. And I'm sure there's other people who feel have similar experiences with their, you know, dads. And, you know, being a uh, father and son is a very uh, interesting relationship. Uh, I've said this a hundred times. Everyone needs the approval of their father. I'm not just talking about boys. I'm talking about girls, too. I don't know what it is that makes the father, I guess, I mean, people have told me, you know, I always had this, it's not a theory, but everybody needs their father's approval. Everybody, girls and boys. You must have it to survive. You know girls need it. We always talk about that daddy issue, that's to become a stripper, all that kind of stuff. I guess you should only want your mother's approval. We don't even need fathers. You should only want your mother's approval because she does it all. She gives birth to you, and then, you know, a mom is a mom. But mothers give unconditional love. Most. You hope. Uh, Then they're the ones that leave uh, the kids in the car, so uh, who knows. But um, most of the time, as what, you know, history would tell us, is that mothers give this unconditional love. And there's certainly a connection. But because there's such a disconnect with your dad, who really doesn't even need to be there anymore at all, uh, I guess that's what you ask for stuff that you know is for some reason sometimes unattainable and hard to get and difficult I don't know it's kind of like always playing with this playing this trying to get to the Super Bowl every day you want to make a connection with somebody you don't maybe have a connection with uh, now some people are lucky and they get along great with their dads now my best friend Lawrence has the most unbelievable relationship with his father and anyone could ever have and his father is now getting dementia, and it's really sad. I mean, they used to see concerts together. Every year they go to see the Allman Brothers together. I mean, the only time I'd ever seen that was in an episode of Growing Pains, where the guy took uh, Kurt Cameron to see, uh, you know, him and Alan Thicke went to go see Springsteen together because they had a good relationship. But that's rare, you know. But my, my friend had this unbelievable relationship with his father, which is why it was so funny to have a best friend that that has the exact opposite relationship that I have with my father. I remember Lawrence coming over once and I guess my dad was yelling at me or something and Lawrence, you know, even says, he goes, well, your dad's really tough on you. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, what are you going to do? I was used to it by then. I don't even remember what we were talking about. I'm just glad somebody else recognized it and he was trying to be polite by saying tough on you because, you know, it's a, it's a difficult line. A lot of people, you're just like, oh, your dad's a dick. Hey, don't touch about my father like that. You know, when you know people's parents are just like, how dare you speak about my mother like that? I'm like, your mother just tried to leave you in a car and, uh, and uh, you know, tried to abandon you. And said, don't talk about my mother. So, anyway, how do we always end up getting on these subjects? It's a new year, 2016, everybody. It's going to be different. Well, so, anyway... So if I'm telling you all this and I go into a a big thing about fathers, <laughs> then you understand where I'm coming through with Star Wars because I can't tell you why I hated it. And maybe in a year or so, I can tell you all the reasons why. And, uh, and, and we can have a really great talk. So anyway, that was New Year's Eve and New Year's Eve night. I did nothing. I mean... Nothing. I didn't go out. I was watching those stupid playoff games, which, thank God, I heard the ratings were abysmal. The college playoff games, the New Year's Eve. That is a disaster. New Year's Day is what you want to do. New Year's Eve, oh, and the games were horrible. I mean, they got really unlucky. I mean, the games were just, they were blowouts. 
you know, Alabama, Clemson, blowout. So they weren't even good games, and the ratings were abysmal. Thank God. I hope they figure that out, that nobody wants that shit on New Year's Eve. New Year's Day is where you watch your college football. And it's funny because hockey was trying to take back they was trying to take New Year's Day hockey, so they had the event live outside, which was exciting, you know, for the first ten minutes. Then nobody can watch hockey on TV, but you know, it was exciting. I mean, Yankee Stadium this time they had a Gillette Stadium. You know, New Year's Day that's when hockey goes. You know, Christmas Day is stupid basketball. That's their fine. Keep it. Oh my God, are you kidding? And New Year's Day was supposed to be football, but all the bowl games got out of whack. There's too many of them, so hockey took over, and they had something, and then. The hockey, the NCAA, brilliant, comes off with the college playoffs and beats the shit out of hockey, even though the hockey starts earlier, but nobody cares, and they just took over New Year's Day because last year the, the playoffs were amazing. And then for some God knows reason, and it all has to do with the Rose Bowl not wanting to move their 5 o'clock time start, they put them on New Year's Eve where you mostly used to put the bowl games that no one wants to see. It's like putting a show out to die on a Friday night. And they ruined their stronghold on New Year's Day that they had picked up. I don't know whose plan that was. I don't know why the Rose Bowl has all this power because no one cares. Even though, I mean, and that game was a blowout too. Stanford um, and Iowa. But uh, boy... They really dropped the ball on that. So anyway, I didn't go. I was like, should I go to the cellar? That was like the only thing. Or I go to Jackson Heights and hang out with my gay friends. So, you know, it's either one or the other. You go, maybe you hang out with your gay. I mean, when it, you know, who's around on New Year's? You know, if you don't have a date, to the gay guys or your comedy friends. <laughs> There's no in between. I'm not gonna find a, a local bar to hang out on New Year's Eve just so I can you know meet some girls. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. So it was one or the other, and I just said, you know, screw it. Now, meanwhile. Just before I did the podcast today, I'm like, all right, let me get going. Let me get going because I'm going to get out of here. Uh, a tell call. Let me talk to me. He goes, it's a good thing you didn't come out for New Year's. It was a disaster. And Artie was very depressed. And I was depressed. And there, it wasn't a fun time. And I'm like, oh, my God. Thank God I dodged the bullet. Uh, so I didn't do anything. I was very depressed. I, and you know what? I turned off my phone. I unplugged my house phone um, at 1130. I didn't want to hear from anybody. I didn't want any texts saying you're missing it or happy New I didn't want nothing. I didn't watch any of the ball. I watched the Odd Couple Marathon, which was fantastic. And, you know, I don't want to know that it's New Year's. And then, of course, you know, at midnight, I hear fireworks. So I'm like, crap. Now I got to be reminded because I was like, I'd forgotten it was midnight. And then I had to be reminded because there's fireworks down the street. And then around 1.32, I went to bed. And then I woke up the next morning. I'm like, you know what? I think I'll take a spin class, fag. <laughs> and I took a, a New Year's Day spin class at 9.30 in the morning down the street, not with my favorite instructor, my friend Lori, but with uh, this other girl. And uh, I think that was the good move. I went, why not? I had already slept enough, and I did it. And, uh, you know, felt pretty good after. I don't think I did anything that day either. And then I went the next day. And I went out for uh, Indian food, which I usually don't like. But this place uh, where we went in Jackson Heights, it was pretty good. I think I have to sneeze. Wait, do I? <coughs> oh, sorry about that. I think sometimes, sometimes I'm allergic to my house. I get like I, where I can't breathe sometimes. Just sometimes, though. That's the thing. Mm. Anyway... Uh, so uh, tomorrow, I'm taping this on Tuesday. The thing will come out uh, Wednesday. 
uh, by when uh, I'm going to the Nets game with Lee, so I wasn't able to do the podcast. Uh, I don't even know who they're playing. And then Thursday, I'm just going out to dinner with my friend Michelle, who just came back from California, and she'd never been there before, Los Angeles, you know, and I told her it was horrible, and she goes, oh, my God, it was horrible, and if you ever want to do something horrible, go to Los Angeles for New Year's. And I'm like, I told you, everybody I know tells me that New Year's is horrible out there. Kind of want to hear the whole story, so we're having dinner Thursday. Plus, we're supposed to make out. Um, so you can see why I was like, well, do I go out with her or the podcast? I, You know, it's a tough call. But sooner or later, you know what I'm saying. So we, we've spoken for almost an hour. There's a couple things I want to get. The thing I played up top is uh, it's Richard Marks. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry. It's uh, Saturday. Staying alive. It was the uh, the the uh, what do you what do you call it? the trailer to Staying Alive, the sequel to Saturday Night Fever, which is one of the mer- worst movies ever made. I only played it because I found out that Richard Marks was getting divorced from the girl who was in Staying Alive, and you know did some stuff in the eighties and Dirty Dancing. Cynthia Rhodes. I'll never forget. The reason I only bring it up is because I remember when Richard Marks was talking about when they got married. He goes, he just couldn't stop talking about his wife. Well, if you know, you know, my wife is kind of uh, you know happening and she's great. Like he was just talking her up like she was the greatest thing he was so thrilled and now they're getting divorced I mean it's been 25 years and you know how long are you supposed to stay married but now he's dating Daisy Fuentes or the I'm sorry I'm sorry he got married again to Daisy Fuentes so he traded her in even though Daisy Fuentes must be a little older by now but you remember Daisy Fuentes from MTV she's way hot and if you look at Cynthia Rhodes yeah, she looks all right. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, I'm not just I'm saying, you know, it might, you know, it's a man's world. Richard Marks looks amazing. He's probably, more, you know, 50. He looks amazing. I mean, he really does. He, you know, for a man, for an older man, he looks amazing. You might remember him from, um, you know, this song. Among others, but this was like the first one that came out. I think it was, might have been produced by Lionel Richie. <laughs> the 80s, everybody. Go back all the way back to 1986 or 1987. Here's Richard Marks. Don't mean nothing. I think uh, I feel like uh, Don Henley had something to do with this too, or I don't know. There were a lot of people that he had involved where he got out and he did this, and then he had another album. Remember, he was like, "Hold on to the night." Yeah, he had a lot of gay songs, and then he was never heard from again. But there he is. My my friend Lawrence wanted to have a Marx Brothers party, so he was going to come as Groucho, and his roommate was going to come as Harpo, and everybody could come as whoever they want. I was going to come as Richard Marx. Like, I didn't understand the gag. That was always something we'd been planning for a very long time. So, and, and that Staying Alive trailer is fantastic because... Sequel to Saturday Night Fever. John Travolta dances his <laughs> Worst way movie to ever, maybe. Guess what? I got a job on Broadway. That, now, if you've ever seen Saturday Night Fever, Tony Manero, John Travolta's character, is probably the coolest most awesomest, unbelievably manly dude you've ever seen in a motion picture. 
He was also nominated for Best Actor for this movie. And this one, he's playing the same character, but now he is a homosexual. Now, that is not the premise, but he's like, guess what? I got a show on Broadway. I mean, they really dropped the ball on this one. But alone the fact, well... But a sizzling affair with a beautiful dancer sparks a bitter romantic triangle. I should always be second choice. You're not. I am and you know I am. See, that's when he's blowing off Cynthia Rhodes. She's like, you know, she's like the good girl. But he really, you know, is turned on by Finola Hughes from General Hospital. We did it. Don't mean nothing to you. We met. I like you. We made it. What do you think it was? True love. Why, you think it was true love? So what? We made it and we did it. How do you think it was true love? Smaddle, we did it. Don't that mean nothing to you? Where's this guy coming from? He would fuck girls in the, in the back of his car when he'd pick them up at the, the uh, two, uh, Odyssey 2000 Bay Ridge. He's, we did it. Don't that mean nothing to you? So what, love? We did it. Everyone uses everyone. Everybody uses everybody. Everybody uses everybody, I say. What not hell? It's like, so what? We did it then, there it is. So don't make a big fuss about it then. Jesus. I remember he was like, she's like, well, you can go now. And he's like, you're asking Tony Monero to leave? I don't think so. She's like, no, because we did it. What do you think then? It was true love then, was it? Because it's not. The, the thing is, and I've told you this before, and I even named one of the podcasts, I think, um, or whatever, e- even John Travolta had Frenchie. Remember when I found out that Sarah did Inside the Actor's Studio? Who were John Travolta's guests? His friends, his best friends through the years, Frenchie from Greece, and this woman who, uh, for some reason, in this clip talks with everybody the Everybody uses everybody. Uh, that was his other guest, Finola Hughes, for some reason. Now, uh, if that's not a gay guy uh, <laughs> trying to stay in the closet, then I don't know who is. And um, again, if you're using this girl, oh, is, is he, what, he's like, is he? Um, and Frenchie, then why couldn't Sarah invite me? Why wasn't I introduced at Inside the Actor's Studio? I mean, this is ridiculous. Let's listen to the rest of the trailer. What you have is anger and a certain intensity, and that's what I need to make this show work. Oh, that was the best part, too. I'm telling you, this movie sucks, but it, it sucks for all the right reasons. You know I mean? This guy's a retard. I mean, the director is just that guy. I, I would kill to play this role right now. With the beard, the scarf. Listen, Monero, you've got talent, but I don't know where it is because you got an attitude. But if you could somehow work that out, and that's what I need for this show. You know, he's always screaming at him. Let me tell you something, Monero. <laughs> and of course, he's dating the, the head ballerina or whatever, the, that, that girl who's like this. Would you think we were going to make it? Everybody uses everybody, nothing. Out there, you two are a pair of dancers. You want to fight, you do it on your own goddamn time. I remember that. What I need is a pair of dancers. You want to fight, you do it on your own time. I'll tell you. I tell you, Monero. Cynthia Rhodes and Fanola Hughes co-star in this. See now, why would you even? Can you? What year is this? You're, it's a trailer. Cynthia Rhodes and Fanola Hughes co-star. Now, is that going to make you come see the movie? Because Cynthia Rhodes and Fanola Hughes are in it. What 
planet <laughs> was this trailer on? Here's the best part. Electrifying dance spectacle directed by Sylvester Stallone. Hey, an electrifying dance spectacle directed by Sylvester Stallone. Now, I'll never forget this. Now, this is Sylvester Stallone's brother who's doing the music for the trailer, which I, of course, use in the Cars movie. Frank Stallone. Sylvester Stallone is directing the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. And I'll never forget, and I tried to find it, but I could not. Siskel and Ebert, as you know, I wanted to play the clip. And their review, what I'll never forget, where Ebert said, this is the only movie or trailer for a movie I've ever seen where, a, the direct, where they have a picture of the director with his shirt off. Because I'll remember, for the, for the trailers, for the movie... Stallone was all over the trailers with his shirt off directing the movie. Why would they show the director? That's when you know the movie's bad. They're like, well, if we show Stallone with his shirt off, people might think maybe he's in it. I mean, he's in it for a second. Travolta bumps into him on the street, and they look at each other, and that is the best scene in the entire movie. Um, but it, why, is, why does Stallone have his shirt off while he's directing? I mean, listen. If I looked like Stallone back then, quite frankly, even now, Physically, uh, I would probably have my shirt off in this weather today in 12 degrees. <laughs> just walking. I just would have gone down to the Dunkin' Donuts with my shirt off. I know, who are we kidding? So I get that. But if you're Sylvester Stallone and you, you, you just did Rocky and you just did Rocky 2 and you're directing the Saturday Night Fever sequel, you're doing pretty good. Uh, and this is 1983, so did he already do... No, Rambo was next, maybe... Um, what do you need to take your shirt off for? You don't even need to. You don't even need to advertise. You're already the shit. You already have girls and boys who have your poster of you without your shirt on in their bedrooms. I remember going to school with the girls and they were just like, oh, they were, oh. Sylvester Stallone, I mean, look at him, oh, the package. You know, there were girls that just absolutely worshipped him. So they have their poster. They have his poster in their rooms. And you know the boys did because it's in Saturday Night Fever. In Saturday Night Fever, John DeVolta has a picture of Rocky in his bedroom. Cause, mostly because he's Italian. But, um, you know, and it's a very Italian uh, picture. It's a picture that they did to Saturday Night Fever. It's a nice picture. And, um, you know... So what do you need to have your shirt on? Your shirt is off in every, you know, boys, girls' room in the 70s. You don't, you really need to, you got to take your shirt off while you're directing too. Do you think he had his shirt on before you go, God, it's, it's hot in here, right? Oh, my shirt is chafing me. Woo. Oh, I feel much better. Okay. Oh, I'm not doing it. Let me see if I can do this. Oh, my shirt is chafing me. I don't know what's going on. I can take it off. All right. Let me, uh, listen, a little more light over here, right? Okay. Listen. When you have that scene, you're telling them, uh, oh, you got to be a better actor. You, know, you got to be a better dancer. Don't you? Uh, make sure you got to... Can I ask you a question? Why is your shirt off? Because yeah, sure, I'm, I'm hot. You know, just, uh, I'm like, because it's, it's freezing in here, Mr. Director. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know I'm not, uh, listen, I'm not feeling that well. If you're not feeling well, why would you, why would you take your shirt off? I mean, I think you'd want to bundle up. Look, I don't have to explain to you. I'm directing the... I don't have to explain to you why I'm doing myself. I'm doing myself. I feel more comfortable like this, you know? Why don't you just, you know, do the whole package? Why don't you just get naked? What do we wait? What we... What we fooling around for? Let's just get it done. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I'm thinking about it. Listen, Monero. 
You got talent. I mean, there's something there. But you got attitude, too. And it's not going to deal with that attitude, and you're not going to make it on Broadway. This is Broadway, Monero. So you better grow up. I'm not recommending the movie. However, if you're high as a kite, <laughs> and you just want to have a good time, and you don't want to watch Showgirls, then Staying Alive is the movie for you. If it's going to make you angry because it's so bad, then don't watch it. But if you get it and realize, and then just keep thinking of Sylvester Stone directing them, oh, listen, when you tell them that you know, he's talented, I'll just, you know, I really want you to go for it, you know. Because uh, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're a Broadway director. You know, I want you to uh, 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 let him have it, you know. Uh, you know, you know, it's a you know, like I'm talking to you, you know, just, uh, tell him this, you know, but don't be, you know, nice, you know, uh, thing. Oh, listen, when you tell him that, uh, you know, it's just that great, you, had, you just had sex, and, uh, you know, now you're just like, you know, you're, you're over him, because he was just uh, like a boy toy, you know? so make sure, uh, try to lose the Cockney accent, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's what, well, so I talk, but you want me to just stop doing it, and, uh, no, I'd, I'd like to see you try I could do other, you know. I could do another voice. I choose not to. You know, nobody, you know, I could talk differently. I just this is the way I talk. So, well, this is the way I talk, then, Governor. And why'd you hire me in the first place? Well, you're hot. You know, it's, uh, it's a fact. You know, I'm a big General Hospital fan. What do you want to say? What do you want to say? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I don't know. It looks pretty mad. Yeah, listen. You know, listen. I, I just wanted to know. I'd be a good sparring partner. I, uh, I wouldn't take any cheap shots. Uh, uh, you've got it all wrong, Rocky. We've got something more in mind. How would you like a shot at the title? Uh, I don't know. I don't... No, thank you very much, but I don't think so. Rocky, I'm offering you a chance at the title. New Year's Day, 1976. Uh, no, thank you very much, but I'm not... Hey, listen, this is a total... This is, uh, this is my pet turtles. I picked them up at the, the shop. Hey, let me ask you a question. Why are you so mean to me? Uh, I'm taking out that girl from the... From the uh, I guess people know where this is going. I'm taking that girl out from the pet shop. Like, oh, you know what you want to do? Hey, uh, you're going out on a date, right? Take her to the zoo. Because retards like the zoo. Get over here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really let you... Uh, Rock, what are you letting this guy get to you for? Listen, what are you doing? Some, he doesn't like you. Some people are just not going to like it. It's just the way it is. Come on, Rock. Why don't you break that guy's arm like I told you to? Well, I, I don't know. You don't have any money. I just, I pay. He's going to pay you tomorrow. Listen, Rock, just do what I tell you to do, okay? Because otherwise it makes me look soft. All right. Now, we, now you're taking that girl out, right? All right, here's 50 bucks. Take her out in style. You don't have to take her to the zoo just because she's a retard. You can take her anywhere. Maybe the ice rink. Retards also like the ice rink. Yeah. Um, one more thing before we go. I because uh, and then we'll call it an evening. I think this is a pretty good show today for uh, an impromptu one. James Kahn today has said um, claims his estranged wife is bleeding his bank accounts dry and forcing him to take low-rent movie offers he would rather but can't refuse. Now, 
I have uh, a list. Uh, I love that he's blaming his wife, his estranged wife, this girl, Linda Stokes. They were married in 1995. They got married. He's blaming her for the roles he has to take. So I looked up after The Godfather, which made him an international superstar. Let's take a look at some of the roles he chose while his wife might not even have been born at the time, even though he's blaming her. Uh, Slither. Uh, which one is that classic? Is that, I think, about a, 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 a deadly snake? And that's right after The Godfather? Um, I, I don't know. Oh, no, here it is. While searching for a small fortune of embezzled money, an ex-con, a small-time band leader, and his doting wife and a kooky drifter find themselves being followed. And that's the... Uh, uh, who knows that one? Um, Cinderella Liberty. Another classic, uh, which I have seen, which um, is not good. That's with uh, Marsha Mason, I think. Now, The Gambler was good. Free, freebie in the bean. Now, do you think his wife said, oh, you got you to gotta take freebie in the bean? San Francisco police detectives, freebie in the bean, are determined to bust local crime boss, Red Myers. Even if it means destroying the whole city in the process. That's not a horrible one, but still, it's the kind of, you know, low rent. I don't think it was going to be the blockbuster that The Godfather was. He was lucky he got that part in Godfather 2 at the end. Rollerball was good, but then after that, he's got, you know, what? Nothing. I don't even recognize any of these movies. Yeah, a small part in 1941. You know, the Steven Spielberg one, but it was uncredited because it was very, very small. Then he was in Chapter 2 by Neil Simon and Marsha Mays, and that, that was a bag of crap. Thief was very good. But Bolero, that was horrible. Uh, Alien Nation? Alien Nation, 1988. That's still before he met his wife. Alien Nation. That was a horrible movie. Dick Tracy? Yeah, but that one you could say, that's a good move. Because, you know, it's Warren Beatty. It's Dick Tracy. Okay. But Misery, okay, so he finally picks a winner because no one else wanted that movie because they knew they were going to be in bed the whole time. So a lot of the other actors who were offered it did not want it, and he took it, and it was very smart. It was a huge hit, and that's a comeback. And then he does something called The Dark Backward. What is that? I don't know. Uh, for the boys, smart. So he's got a little comeback and up to Honeymoon in Vegas, which, you know, that was okay. I think there's uh, Nicolas Cage or whatever. So... You know, he's got something going, but then he starts picking bad movies again. You know, like, um, I don't know, A Boy Called Hate, Bottle Rocket, Poodle Springs. What the f... You know what I'm saying? I don't think um, Lucky Town... I'm just saying, I don't think it was this uh, wife's fault. I think he's just really bad at picking movies. Some people are just bad at that. And it's funny when you get a second chance, you know, let's say his career is kind of crappy after The Godfather, but then you get misery and you can play, you know, you've kind of put yourself in like Bruce Willis did where you become a supporting actor or something, you know, and you could play a different kind of role, but he's now he's an older guy and he could play different roles. But until Elf, he really picked nothing good. So you can't blame this woman, <laughs> you know? I mean... uh, I mean, look what he's got going on now. Uh, Operation Insanity. I don't know. He's playing Grandpa. 
Stark Raving Normal, Acre Beyond the Rye, Sweetwood. I've never heard of any of these movies, but he's taken them all. Sicilian Vampire. That came out this year, but it didn't go into the movie theater. You remember he had the TV series, too, back in the game, which didn't work. I mean, whose fault is that, then? He's the lead of the show. You, you can't, you know, nice try blaming the missus. I'm sure she is bleeding your bank account, but that doesn't mean, you know, because you have to take these movies. You have to take these movies because you're not offered anything else because you're really shitting on these movies. You just, you're not good. Maybe if you, you know, it's, it's obvious when he's in movies lately that he's just not giving it 100%. And maybe if he chose better or had people choosing for him, you know, he could probably get back up to that status because he still is James Conn and he was still in The Godfather. And that will always be the greatest thing. So there's, everybody wants James Conn to do well. So just do better. What do you think is going to be good for you? Why don't you write one? Jerk off. <laughs> Godfather. What am I going to do about that? January 25th. Should I just cancel it? No, I can't, right? We got to do it. We got to do one. I got to try it. I just got to put it all together. I will. I will. You'll see. And it'll be awesome. Well, what's our show for today? Let's, let's, let's end with this one again. <laughs> W-N-B-C <laughs> I always wanted to be a DJ I mean I was you know in college and stuff and I really enjoyed it and I swear I definitely could have uh, been a J you know in spin tunes and I used to really really enjoy it and really get into it in fact they used me as an example when they were teaching um TV radio 101 class they're like you know because they were all in this class and I was the DJ at the time there was a booth you could see in and they'd see I'd be dancing around after I spin the record like you know um, Johnny Fever and uh, WKRP I mean I was really into it I loved announcing records and listening to them and and music and songs and I like talking I guess it's I guess technically I could still do that really there's really no reason I just can't make this a rock and roll podcast how you doing everybody I guess I can do whatever I want these days, huh? Just do it in the privacy of your own house. I don't know. Well, anyway, next week, uh, you know, maybe we'll uh, get back to normal and uh, stuff, and I'll tell you about the uh, the Nets game and all that stuff, and I guess, oh, you know, let me make my picks really quick. I really don't know. The Chiefs and the Texans, I got to say, um, I don't know. I think I'm going to take the Chiefs because the Texans don't have a quarterback, even though they have an amazing defense. But that's a tough one, and the Chiefs are only by three. Eh, I don't know. Now, Pittsburgh, it finally went up. It was a pick and it went up to two and a half against the Bengals, and the Bengals are on their backup quarterback. And Pittsburgh's playing really well, even though they had the hiccup the other day. Don't you pick Pittsburgh in that one? Why would anybody pick the Bengals, or is that a sucker's bet? I'm not sure. I think with the Chiefs and the Texans, I might take the over on that one. It's only 40. And then on Sunday... The Seahawks over the Vikings. Seahawks minus five and a half. The Seahawks are playing crazy. They're playing crazy. The Vikings are just okay. I don't know. I think I would take the Seahawks. Can you imagine the Vikings beat the Seahawks? That would be a huge thing for them. I, I really don't know. I, I, I guess I got nothing. The one I'm picking, I'm picking the Redskins at home against the Packers. It's only a pick, and there's something wrong with the Packers. 
Do the Packers know how to play in the playoffs? Yes, they do, but I'm going with the Redskins, so that's the bet I'm taking. How do you not? Or at least the over. 45, right? I don't know. It should be exciting. I mean, playoffs are always great. Two days. Uh, start at 4.30 on Saturday night. Um, maybe hoping to watch the first game with somebody. Somebody? Somebody around and wants to watch with me? I don't have any plans. I don't care to watch the... Uh, late night game I probably will but I don't mind if I come home at 8 o'clock and watch that and then Sunday they started I think it's the usual one and one and 4.30 until the championship game when they start like almost like the Super Bowl like 3.30 and 6.30 something like that anyway everybody I hope you have a great week happy new year to everybody we're gonna have a great year of uh, podcasting I hope you enjoyed today's show I'm gonna go to get a haircut now what do you think of that and I will talk to you next week on the Dave Joskow podcast. See you then.